Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 60, How to Stay Stuck in a Habit. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Changeable. Today we're going to talk about how to stay stuck in a habit or how to stay stuck in anxiety or indecision or how to stay stuck in stuckness. That's a good one. Whatever it is you're up against, we're going to look at how you can stay stuck there. I wrote this article, um, when did I write it? A long time ago. Oh my gosh, like about a year and a half ago. Time goes by so quickly, doesn't it? Um, yeah, like almost a year and a half ago called How to Stay Stuck in a Habit, The Definitive Guide to Staying Stuck in a Habit. And it's about the features I see present in people. They're not features of people, but just things we happen to be doing with our thinking um, when people are really kind of stuck because it's really sort of reliable and consistent and you know, no one's special or unique, really. There's only so many ways that we use our thinking and so many things we tend to believe and so many ways we tend to get caught up and stuck. And the more you see hundreds and then thousands of people who are in this place, the more you see a lot of patterns and things. And so um, I think it's really just kind of kind of fun for me to write it in this way. Um, but I also think it's super helpful to kind of flip things on their head sometimes and look at it from the opposite side. And and sometimes seeing, you know, okay, here are the five, the five ways, the five steps to staying stuck in a habit. Hearing it in that way kind of catches your mind off guard a little bit. So your mind isn't spinning and trying to grasp all this and and digest it all. Um, sometimes it's, you know, to hear things in their opposite really kind of shake something loose or or open something up. So I hope that's what happens for you. So I think what I'm going to do um, is just kind of read this article. It's not that long. And then I'll, I'll give a little commentary. Um, yeah. So it starts off with, you'd like to stay painfully stuck in a habit, addiction, or compulsion. Do you want change that feels like a tenuous uphill battle? Sounds like a commercial, doesn't it? Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> this is your infomercial for how to stay stuck. Well, you're in the right place. I've felt stuck in several of my own habits, and I've talked with thousands of people who say they are stuck in a habit or addiction themselves. I've seen and experienced tons of looking over your shoulder, waiting for the other shoe to drop, completely unsustainable change. Stuck, hopeless feeling people tend to have a few things in common in terms of how they view themselves and their habits. I share those misunderstandings below. Here's how you too can stay stuck in a habit. So step number one is take ownership of your problem. The first thing you'll want to do to stay stuck in a habit is own it. Make it all about you. Take it very personally. After all, you're the one who got yourself into this mess, right? You're choosing to carry on this way, aren't you? Gosh, I hear that all the time. Consistently ask yourself things like, what kind of person am I to have this issue? Why am I so weak? Where did this coping mechanism come from? 
Assume that your habit is intimately tied to your past and dig deep to find that connection. Why? So that you can understand it and then force yourself to see it differently, I guess. Figure out what you're lacking and which voids your habit is trying to fill. Look for patterns. I bet you've uncovered other weaknesses in yourself over the years. Revisit those, looking for themes in your inadequacy. The more a person says me, my, or mine when describing their habit or addiction, the more stuck and hopeless they tend to feel. Insisting on using the three Ds, not to be confused with the three Ps, (laughs) disorder, disease, and diagnosis earns extra stuck points. These steps will go a long way toward keeping you focused on the habit in a way that does not encourage insight or change. So finish, pause on the reading for a minute. It's me back in real life. Um, Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I, I, I haven't read this really in a long time since I wrote it probably, but, um, these things, what kind of person am I, am I to have this? I'm choosing, I'm choosing to do this. I got myself into this mess. I mean, I thought that so many times. I hear that all the time from people. And of course it looks that way, you know, from, from a certain level of consciousness, which isn't real high when we're caught up in this stuff. It's very narrow, very limited. And it just looks like, okay, I know better. I even maybe know something about how my experience works, yet clearly I either hate myself, I'm choosing this, I I love to suffer, whatever it is people make up. It's it's just not the way it is. And so you can kind of kind of look at this. I mean, the more that what we're doing, thinking, feeling looks like it's very very personal, looks like it has something to do with us the more caught up in it we're going to be because us is a thought too, right? Who I am and the kind of person I am is a bunch of thinking. And it's a bunch of really sticky thinking. It's like a spider web where so much can get kind of stuck in that, caught up in that big web of me. So you kind of want to see that, you know? There's just so much to that. And of course, it looks personal. Of course, it does. We are the center of our own universe. Everything we think, feel, and do looks like it revolves around us and is about us. And it just isn't. And starting to see, wow, maybe maybe this isn't personal. So let me give you my little example here. For me, when I was caught up in binge eating, it totally looked like, um, you know, I I could see how I didn't feel like I was good enough, but I didn't know that was thinking early on at all, you know, just didn't feel like I was good enough. And then my mind came up with a solution. Hey, maybe if you eat this way or look that way or do this thing, you'll feel better. I didn't say it just like that. My mind didn't talk to me in that clear of a way, but but that's essentially what I was thinking, apparently, because I started doing that. And then my little machine brain said, wait a minute, this isn't good for you. You don't eat anymore. Let's eat a bunch of food. So then that looked like a great idea on some level. All the while, of course I knew better. You know, like in that big picture, of course, you know better. Of course, you see that these habits are are harmful and aren't actually accomplishing anything and and all of that. Or if you can see, oh, wow, but it just feels like such a release. It just feels so good to just go do my habit 
then usually that's followed up with a story about how weak you are, that you need a habit or an addiction to feel good. Like, you know, there's just layer upon layer upon layer of story. And you, me, I, (laughs) we are in the center of that story. And if we aren't, the story's just not that compelling. So that's the beauty, again, in starting to see that, wow, maybe this isn't personal. It's like my brain wanted me to feel better, came up with a bad idea. Then it came up with an idea to counteract the bad idea. So I was starving and then I was binging. And then it and then it layered on all kinds of judgment because it looked like it was about me. Like I was weak. I was messing it up. I wasn't good at having an eating disorder, like all this stuff. And as soon as the me and the I and the personalness leaves the picture for a minute, the whole thing starts to crumble. It's just not as sticky. And honestly, it isn't personal. It isn't personal. It isn't personal. It is the super old, primitive, fundamental part of your brain that's just a machine that isn't wise. It just wants to make you happy and keep you alive. And it sees that in my case, I wasn't eating and then I was eating and it just is like, ooh, what do we do here? What makes her happy? What keeps her alive? And it just picks up patterns. So the personal piece is huge. Okay, back to the back to the five steps. Step number two, get serious. Again, step number two on how to stay stuck in a habit. Get serious and be very aware of the damage you're creating. Once you've made this your problem, you're going to want to look toward fixing it, of course. So you need to get serious. No shirking responsibility. The more you see how painful, destructive, and serious this issue is, the better. Now, this part is important. If you have any shred of compassion or forgiveness toward yourself, you'll be far less stuck. So if you're looking to stay stuck and hopeless, be completely cold and unforgiving. If you overeat, calculate the weight you're gaining, the impact on your health and your relationships, and the money and time you're spending. Remind yourself of these figures often. If you gamble or internet surf or drink or worry, really hone in on what a terrible, lazy, weak individual you must be. I see time and time again that the more shameful and afraid people feel, the more stuck they become. This is serious stuff. If you want to stay stuck, be sure to take it very seriously. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Should have read this article more often. It's kind of a good one. So, yeah, (laughs) take it really seriously. And the funny thing is, you know, the one and two are, are so one and the same in a sense, because anything that's about us has like a whole new level of seriousness to it. But there's so much in this, you know, I think it's, it's so unfortunately um, suggested, maybe, maybe flat out said (laughs) in therapy and treatment sometimes. I mean, I know there are programs that have you catalog these things, like what is the damage that this is doing? Um, let's make lists of that. Let's look at it. And, and, and again, like if it's about being honest with yourself and, and seeing things, um, a little more clearly, that's not always a horrible thing. So, you know, if you're making amends and, and thinking about how you've hurt people and how you've hurt yourself, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm not saying there's nothing good in that. It's the, it's the constant, like, let me beat myself up and hate myself so that I'll be motivated to change. 
Never, ever, 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 I think, in the history of the world has that actually worked. And and it may have worked for like a minute or a day or a week, but never, ever, ever does that wake people up into transformation? Does it allow you to, you know, rise above your issue and and actually have a sea change to where you are transformed or different? It just doesn't work that way. Again, if if your habit or anxiety or issue is like at a, it's at a certain level of consciousness, let's say, within that level of consciousness, what makes sense and what you see to do is just beat yourself up all the time and be cruel. But that keeps you there keeps you in that level. It doesn't allow you to rise above anything and see see things in a bigger picture. And that rising above and seeing things in a new way is what leads to deep and lasting change. Okay, back to the article. Number three, commit to massive behavior change. This one's obvious. Everyone knows that breaking habits is totally about changing your behavior. Look toward the thing you do and keep your focus there. And then make a concrete behavioral plan for how you will not do that thing. I was really good at this one when I was feeling stuck in my binge eating habit. I had new and improved behavior plans daily. No sugar for at least five years. No weight. Maybe restricting sugar feels like deprivation. Okay, must have sugar every single day. No exceptions. Don't be alone. Don't get too relaxed or be around people or substances that might encourage you to let your guard down. Next time I want to binge, I'll go for a walk instead. Unless there's weather, then I'll listen to something inspirational. Look at old pictures to remember how great life was before this habit. Or vividly imagine how pitiful life will be in the future if the habit continues. These massive behavior changes with no accompanying insights were excellent in keeping me stuck. They focused all of my attention on the outward appearance of things. They made it very easy for me to make up whether I was winning or losing. And they put me on a roller coaster of excitement and hopefulness with each new plan, followed by hopeless and depression with each failed plan. All of these are amazingly helpful when it comes to staying stuck. You know, the iceberg. <laughs> this is just the iceberg. I mean, it's like we, we cannot help but just see the form, the outward manifestation of, of what it is we're doing, the thing we're doing, the feelings we're afraid of in the case of depression or anxiety or insecurity or jealousness or anger, those are all habits too. So we're looking at what we're doing. We're looking at how we're feeling. We're looking at what we're thinking. If you have obsessive thoughts or um, you're just worried about stuff all the time or you're living in your head, we you know, we're, we're, we're focus is just pulled there and that's okay. That's human and normal, but your focus can be pulled there and you can know better. And that makes all the difference in the world. When we don't know better, when we think, wow, my focus is pulled here because this is the problem. <laughs> how I eat, what I drink, how I yell at my kids, like how I feel, what I think, this is the problem. This is the whole and complete problem right here is that this thing happens. We're just in so, so much of a disadvantage. We're staring at something that's done and over and then calling it a problem over and over and over again and thinking that we're going to just reach out and make a change without looking at what comes before that at all. 
without having any idea, really, that thought and feeling and behavior, they're just what shows up in the world. They're what moves through us and comes to life, and then they change. Nothing of form stays, and they can't even do anything, really. Like, you know, we think, feel, and do stuff, and and it's like dead in the water. It's like it's energy created into a thing. Poof, it's done. It's over. Refresh. We get moments to refresh. We get an opportunity to refresh all the time. But we don't get to refresh when we think that we have to stare at this issue and then create some kind of massive change plan around it. All that does is just keep us looking at the very tip of the iceberg and completely ignoring what really matters beneath the surface. Great way to stay stuck. Okay, number four. Create a mental image of how change will look and don't waver from that. If you want to prevent change, decide ahead of time that you already know how things are going to go. Get it in your head that your change will be quick or easy or slow or hard. That's always good for frustration and disappointment. Here's something I see work like a charm. Expect what you're calling progress to be linear. Decide that any sort of setback means you were fooling yourself and you'll never change. Make sure to use words like failure and relapse a lot and talk a lot about wagons and the numbered square you're on. (laughs) When people equate setbacks with failure, their likelihood of feeling stuck goes through the roof. a good one too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like create a mental image. The funny thing is, as I say this, it's not funny, but we don't even know that we're doing this. And that's why, that's why I'm doing this kind of, you know, tongue in cheek treatment of this, because I think sometimes hearing it like this kind of shows us like, oh yeah, I kind of do that. So the setback thing is just its own creature. I mean, all the time we don't even realize that we think progress, whatever that means, our our freedom, our shedding of this stuff is supposed to be linear. You could ask people and they'll say, oh no, I know that it's not linear. I know that, you know, it might move around and I'll have good days and bad days and setbacks are part of it. Well, they don't act like they know when they have a setback. They'll say that on a good day <laughs> and me too, right? But They don't act like they know when they have a setback and they're completely down in the dumps and then they're saying, well, I might as well just, you know, finish the bottle or I might as well just go all the way. I knew this was too simple. I knew it couldn't be this easy. I knew I couldn't change. If you've ever thought or said one of those things, it's just showing you that you had an idea in your head about how change should go and Life doesn't care about your ideas. (laughs) Change goes how it goes, and it may or may not match up with your expectations, and that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything at all. The whole um, fast or slow or all of that, you know, it's, I just hear that so much. It just comes out of people's mouths in the middle of conversation. Like, oh, I know it's probably not going to happen overnight, or oh, it happened overnight for that person, so what's wrong with me? You know, there's just so much thinking we have about how it's going to go and look and all of that, and a lot of it we aren't aware of. But again, some of it kind of comes through the cracks. Sometimes you'll hear it in your own voice or you'll notice how horrible you feel because you had a bad day, whatever that means in your definition. And it's just great to be aware of that stuff because honestly, all it does is just keep us feeling bad. And when we feel bad, 
is exactly when our brain starts telling us, hey, do that thing that makes you feel good. It's really, really counterintuitive. All right. Are you feeling more stuck? So we're at number five, do whatever it takes. Once you made the decision to change and you've created a mental picture of that change that you are unwilling to revise, do whatever it takes to bring your image to life. Bring out the big guns. After all, you have a plan for massive behavioral action and you're committed to it. All there is left to do is hang on for dear life. The whiter your knuckles become, the more you want to fight, dig in, push through. This is not the time to pause, reflect, or listen to any new wisdom moving through you. You're past that now. It's time to hunker down and make this happen the way you envisioned it happening. Your willpower will eventually run out. That's a given. But you're just going to have to find more. (laughs) Sorry, I'm cracking myself up. This is so good. Because any type of setback is not in your plan. You better do this right. Perfection is a huge stuckness accelerator. (laughs) Yeah. Every time I'm like, yeah, you know, perfection is a huge stuckness accelerator. Um, it's hard, right? You better, you, you better commit that picture of yourself as habit-free, anxiety-free, whatever-free to mind and dig in and make it happen. And what's crazy is, you know, we really, like, this is so well-meaning. We've kind of been told that. It, it, we treat here's the thing, like we treat finding freedom from habits and anxiety and feeling better and moods and all that, the way we treat um, going after some goal. And even that, we could have a whole other, I think I have actually, it's some episode, we could have a whole other conversation about even treating goals that way. But, you know, this is not some goal. This is not like get clear on what you want and commit and, you know, nothing gets in your way. I don't think that works all that great for, for any kind of goal. But, oh my gosh, it does not work great when it comes for us falling into the peace and health that's already there. It is the most backward, counterintuitive thing in the world when you see that we are created from health. We are sitting right this minute in the middle of health. That when our mind settles down, we are habit-free. No matter where you are, what you did today, yesterday, a minute ago, you are habit-free, but for all this conditioned thinking that says you aren't and that has you, you know, that you're acting on, that has you acting as if you aren't, when that settles down, anyone with any habit, any degree of depression or anxiety, like there are, there are, there's wavering in that. There's little bit of breaks in that. When our mind gets quiet, it lessens. Sometimes it completely vanishes for a period of time, but it at least changes, weakens, lessens our heavy feelings. And so what does that show us? Like we need to look at that and say, wow, okay, so clearly there's some health in me. There's something that's changing a little bit. And even if I just feel not at all healthy and then all of a sudden I feel moderately healthy, well, that's something. Why don't we look at that? But what we do instead is we say, nope, I'm going to paint this picture of my change is going gonna, is gonna to work in this way. 
This is how long it's going to take. This is exactly how I want to get. For me, freedom or change looks like I'll never, ever have another intrusive thought again, or I'll never feel anxious again, or I'll never overeat again. We make this stuff up. We get really perfectionistic about it. We're just hold to it no matter what. Bring out the big guns. <laughs> we um, have a massive behavior plan, right? We're going to make sure it happens and we're full of our plans and strategies. We get really serious about it and we put ourselves, me, 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 right in the middle of it. And we stay really, really stuck. And it's ridiculous because it's just a simple misunderstanding, a simple set of misunderstandings that's behind all of that. When you look toward the opposite of these five things, it's right there. Freedom is right there. An easier life, again, don't read into like, what's freedom? Who cares? It's movement toward who you really are, falling into your peace and your habit freeness and your innate health right there beneath all of these plans and pictures and thoughts. So I hope this has been as entertaining for you as it has been for me. <laughs> I'm going to link to this article. I really like it. I know I'm, I don't, I don't know. I don't mean to be like bragging. I usually don't like what I write. Um, but I really like this. It's kind of old too, but I'm going to link to it. Just think it's kind of funny. So hopefully, um, hopefully this has kind of shown you another, another side of your habit and, and maybe even shaken something loose um, so that you can see something a little bit differently. Thank you so much for listening and humoring me and I'll see you next week. It's almost that time again. The next six week course of the Little School of Big Change begins September 23rd. And that means that the four part Change That Sticks video series is also about to begin. Change That Sticks is released in the lead up to the school opening each time the school opens. Now, I should tell you, these videos are about 20 to 30 minutes long each and they really go into stuff. So put the four together and you practically have a full length movie that goes into how we've been taught to change and why that change doesn't last, how it's not your fault that you've tried everything, you've all tried a million things that just don't go deep enough, don't last long enough, don't really get to the root of the issue. And we're all walking around beating ourselves up because our change attempts didn't work. Well, you'll see why in these videos. You'll also be pointed toward a new place to look. You'll see more about this new paradigm and you'll see how it's helped others. You'll hear it from them directly uh, with all kinds of different issues and obstacles and things they're up against. So go to thechangeseries.com to sign up so that you'll receive the first video when it's released on September 12th, 2019. You'll get videos sent to you roughly every other day until you've seen all four of them. So again, that's thechangeseries.com to sign up. And on September 12th, you'll get video one.